Welcome back to the Happily Human Podcast. I'm Annie. And I'm Jess. And today we're going to talk about everything people-pleasing. Oh, Lordy. I know. Mm -hmm. So where we left off in our last episode was you telling a story about how you were the type of person to come to school with $10 in your pocket and look at someone and say, what can I buy for you? Mm -hmm. So I want you to elaborate. Okay. Because I literally interrupted you (laughs) and was like, stop talking. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because I, now knowing what I know, um, I realized that I was not getting any validation of my self-worth from family. Um, And so I felt like as a young child that um, people pleasing was how I got my self-worth. It made me feel good. If I could make Annie happy at the book fair. Oh my gosh. God. Let's talk about the book fair. Just real quick. Okay. My niece had one the other day and I'm not going to lie. I almost went to her elementary school just to smell it. What is that about? Like why did it have such a magical smell? But it was, I just remember being so excited and like the new Berenstein Bears books were always there and oh yeah. Anyways. Okay. So. I would always, you know, just be that person where was like, oh, what can I buy you? What can I give you? And I remember I was young and I was with my cousin in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and we were at a flea market of all things. And my cousin is like 30 years older than me. She was married with kids and I was 10. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to her and being like, what can I buy you? I'll buy you something. And she said to me, Jessica, you don't have to buy me anything. It's okay. And I felt so defeated. Mm-hmm. So just like, huh? Like, who what? am I if I can't um, do something like that for you? So that's where my people pleasing came in. It turned into getting my own personal self worth of yeah. um, doing that. And then what escalated from that was. Um, kind of being taught and trained that um, people pleasing does not mean that you get to talk about your own personal emotions. So um, I very quickly learned the habit and I'm still really good at it of let's talk about you. Yeah, same. So here we are talking about each other. (laughs) Yeah, so here we are. So my people pleasing through my adult life has come into, um, again, tell me all of your problems. Um, it has very much escalated into my personal relationships of finding people to date that um, need help in some way. And how can I make you feel better? How can I help? Um, it's escalated into I will do A, B, and C for you because that's going to make you fall in love with me. Um, as a professional, it came out in... Um, Your literal career choice. My little, same. yeah. yeah. Um, it was being, you know, Annie and I are both nurses, so it came in, how can I help you? But even further than that, um, Annie and I worked for the same unit for a long time, two different units actually, and um, we would sell our soul literally to the devil. Um, if they needed help, here I, I am. am. Um, if, you know, there was... Um, a crashing patient coming in and we were both just already overwhelmed. I'll take it, you know? Um, and so that is definitely something I am still very much processing and, and working on. Yeah. 
Okay. It's very hard. I've always people-pleased. I just feel like it was easier to be a people-pleaser because it meant less it meant less attention on you in, in one on one flip of the switch, but at the same time, it meant that the attention you received was good attention. Mm-hmm. And so I would always do that to gain friendship because I really never had self-worth, like you're saying. I didn't feel I was worthy just of existing and being loved for who I was. I felt like there had to be something more that I could offer in order to be more lovable. And so it ended up starting with like little stuff. Like I would kind of mimic whoever I was friends with so that I could be closer friends with them. So they'd like me more. Or, um, I would like pretend to like the same things as other people so that I would like fit in, or I'd want to wear the same clothes, like little things that are kind of normal is as you're growing up. But I was like not doing them in a healthy way, you know, like it's normal to be like, Oh, this is in, like, I'm going to do what's in. But I was like doing it because I didn't feel worthy if I were to choose something different when in reality, I actually liked something different. And I, it followed me too throughout adulthood. And sometimes still now I find myself as the 36 year old woman having to untrain myself from this thought that people don't like me. Like I'm, it doesn't, I know people like me, like I have friends, I have authentic relationships in my life, but I have this like little voice still that's like, but what if they're, what if they don't really like you? Or what if you stop doing this for them? Or what if you didn't reach out? Would they write back? And things like that. But it followed me through my professional life a lot. Um, and it would get to the point where you it was, it was just really... I was putting way too much investment on having people like me and think positively of me as being my form of self-worth as opposed to me liking me and feeling positive about me. Like to the point you're saying, like we were always the people to be like, I'll do it. I can handle it, whatever. It was like that. And then like, but I wanted to make sure that like when you said my name, the next phrase was like, oh, she's always so nice. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, she's always there. Or she's always this dependable, constant person because that meant I was worthy when in reality all that does is like putting up a red flag to say use me I'm usable (laughs) (laughs) I have no boundaries Mm -hmm. do whatever you want with me because I won't say no because I'm wounded and sad Mm -hmm. and but now like looking at that it's just so interesting that it, it even followed me into my like very I'm very much an adult you know I've been doing adulthood for quite a while now and so it's just you know one of those things that I think if you're a people pleaser, you understand. And if you aren't a people pleaser, good for you. And how did you do it? And how do yes, I do it? Yes. Um, I will it, give you my personal phone number. You can, if you can tell me how to. What's the secret? Not really give a shit. Cause, and it's weird because also even as an adult in my personal life with friendships and in my career, if I heard that someone was talking bad about me, it tore me up. Yes. Now, on the outside, I would say, I don't give an F, like, yeah. you know, whatever, F them, they're a bit, bit. but on the inside, each up. oh, tore me up. It still eats me up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm learning to kind of just say, hey, this is me, and yes, you might not like me, um, but that's okay. And I recently made a career choice, and that was one of my goals going into my new area was that I'm just going to be authentic Jess. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like me, 
that's okay. We only have to be with each other three days a week, 12 hours. Like, I'll be nice. You be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been hard because I know that there are people that probably don't particularly... I mean, it's not that they don't care to work for me, but I'm loud. I'm sarcastic. Um, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing my job, and that's it. Um, and as far as friends, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I've recently lost a friendship that's been really hard on me um but and Annie and I've talked about this and I've struggled with the loss of that friendship uh but it's also made me realize that people do come and go in your life and you know they might not always agree with decisions that you made and it's okay if they move on and you're okay if they move on and it does not reflect anything on me yeah, it's hard to learn that lesson. I don't know that I've fully learned it. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm not 100% there. I mean, <laughs> it's hard but. for me to like let people go, I think is my issue. Like, I want to cling on until, like, it just, and it's really more of like me trying to make myself feel better about the, the circumstances. Like, you know, there are life, there are friendships from when I was a teenager that ended in a poor way because we were teenagers. And, um, because of that, you know, it's kind of like lived with me that could I have done something differently? Like, would we still be friends? Like, and I'm realizing it more recently now, 20 years later, being like, Annie, this person is not thinking this about you. So why are you giving them this chance to think Mm -hmm. in your own brain about them? Um, But it's interesting how like so much of my worthiness as a human has been wrapped up in other people's opinions of me. Mm -hmm. And my therapist told me a long time ago when I started going to her, she said, other people's opinions of you are none of your business. It's none of your business. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't matter what their opinion of you is. And it was so hard for me to like grasp that concept and be like, yeah, you're right. Nobody, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about me. Um, It's just the fact that I think I'm good and (laughs) All of that. Sorry, our power just flickered and the printer's going off. And Jess's face right now is like there's a poltergeist in the room. <laughs> well, I saw the lights flicker and I was like, what's going on? And now there's all these weird noises. And I've, I've been on vacation. I say vacation. I'm recovering from knee surgery. So I've watched a lot of like true crimes. It's also like, spooky season. Yeah, so who's trying to enter the door right now? What so. demon from yep. Satan is affecting the printer? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It just did scare me a little bit. I'm like, oh, you'll be murdered on a live pod or a podcast. Awesome. Um, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're totally fine. I don't even really remember what I was saying. But essentially, like, it's just interesting how your perspective of your self-worth is so different. Even as you grow up, you take these little things with you. You don't even realize that you're taking with you um, into the future. And I don't know that I really have, like, an answer to say when was the first time I people closed (laughs) people please I don't really have like a time that I remember being like oh yeah this is the first time I tried to please someone else it just was you know I talked about in our last episode how I was kind of like self-taught hyper independence and I think that's kind of what Mm -hmm. happened it was just the easiest way for me to be self-isolated was to deflect onto whoever else needed something and and to go from there yeah okay so I want to know um, in your life, how has the focus of your life changed because you're focusing on others more than yourself? Like, what have you done in your life that had you focused on you would be different? I can see the fear in your eyes as I'm asking, <laughs> so I'll go first. Okay. 
So I think the biggest thing that would be different for me if I had focused on something that I truly wanted without um, having it be in the perspective of others would have been where I chose to go to college. And it's probably not the only thing, but it's the biggest thing I can think of right now. And it wasn't that I did it because someone else wanted me to do this. It was because I did it because I was afraid of what would happen if I didn't stay because of someone else. So let me explain. So I went to a local college that's like 35 minutes from my house and I lived out there and everything. I didn't like stay at home or anything, but because my brother died when I was little, I had this like trauma bond to my parents that I was like too afraid to leave to be too far away in case like an emergency happened. Or like I would tell myself like, what if I don't get to see them enough? Or what if I only have 12 more times I'm gonna spend with them? And like, if I go away to college, I'll lose five years of being with them and like I'm gonna regret that and so instead of going away to college because I've always said I've always lived in the same state my whole life and I've always said I never wanted to live here like if you've talked to me once you've heard me say I want an RV I want to live in an RV and travel the world and you probably looked at me like I'm a nut job but that's like my dream is to just travel and live and so for me to never have like I mean I've left to travel for vacation but for me to never take up residence somewhere else is like kind of nuts because of all like I, my biggest dream is to have like a big amount of land with like a little bit of like forest on it a little house there like 800 million animals like I want goats and pajamas like I want like a little house on the prairie you know and so I, I did not go away to college not because my parents didn't want me to they would have been fine for me to go wherever which is the irony in all of it but I didn't go because I was so afraid that if I left we wouldn't have this quality time that I would forever spend my life regretting that decision and it's not that I regret doing what I did because had I not stayed I wouldn't have met you I wouldn't mm-hmm. have my husband I wouldn't have my kids like I wouldn't know half the people I know Um, that I really care about but it's so interesting that that one choice is what put me here Mm -hmm. and it was based around the fear of not having enough time with someone else so Mm -hmm. I would say that's like the biggest instance I can think of off the top of my head that I have that uh, made me who I am today (laughs) by people pleasing by people pleasing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um, I just, God, there's just so many scenarios in my life that I feel like I could talk about with this. Um, ditto on the college thing. Um, I did not choose, I chose my college by, um, where my friends were going. Um, not for my own personal one. When I was 18, I had no idea what I was going to do in life. I really zero. I don't think anyone does. No. I think um, they pretend to. Yeah. Um, so when being forced to go to school and pick a degree, I was not that person that was like, I'm 18 and I want to be a chemical engineer. So I need to find the school that has mm-hmm. a great chemical engineer. I really did not know I wanted to I be. thought I was going to be in the record business. The what? The record business. Oh, okay. Like music. Ask, yeah. me, ask me if I can sing. Can you sing? Absolutely not. Okay, ask me job. if I can play an instrument. Can you play an instrument? The flute. <laughs> And I know Lizzo's like all over that right now, but I don't think that there's much, there wasn't much of a future for us flautists. You you could have been Lizzo 10, 15 years ago. Um, So yeah, I did the same thing with college and I was just more like, what school's got a good social life? Um, It did take me six years to graduate from college because of that. Um, And the irony of all of it is that I kind of always knew I wanted to be a nurse. 
But the responsibility that came along with the schooling to be a nurse when you're 18, 19, 20 was way too much for me. So I found an easier degree. I was going to save the world through social work. Oh my God. Me in psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a degree in a bachelor in science me in social work with oh, a well, minor in psychology because again, I'm going to fix you. Not me. But not me. Not me. Um, and honestly, it was a really easy way to self-diagnose. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and all, all my friends and my family. It was great. Yeah, I was like, am I crazy? Yeah. I'll major in psychology yeah. and figure it out. Yep. Yeah. Social work was easy because... Um, it, it, it was a little bit of everything. Um, unbeknownst to me, to actually have a career in social work, you needed to go get your master's, which meant you had to write a dissertation. Mm-hmm. And oh, girl was not doing all that. So um, got a career not related to social work at all. And um, that was probably, that would probably be the first time that I did something for others that really wasn't making me happy. I moved out of state to go work for a large corporation because a friend of mine had asked me to come work with her. And um, so I get out there. It was in Colorado, which I always said, I think I need to be in Colorado. Am I a snow bunny? Absolutely not. Um, But felt like I needed to be in Colorado. So I moved to Colorado and I spent the next five years being absolutely miserable. It was a very hard time for me. Um, I gained a lot of weight. Um, my blood pressure, how I never stroked out, I don't know because I would go to the doctor and it would be like 200s over 100s. Um, but just mentally and emotionally, I was very alone. Um, and it was very hard, but I didn't want to disappoint her. And I didn't want to disappoint my family because they were so proud of me for doing this. And so I stayed out there for five years and, um, I came home one year. I came home in 2004 for Christmas Mm -hmm. and I realized I cannot do this anymore. And so I moved home and that's how I became a nurse. Wow. At 29. Um, because I didn't have, I had a degree in social work. Yeah. (laughs) Where am I going? Right. No offense to social workers. God love you. I, but I had an undergraduate degree. I didn't do the work. Well, that's one of those what, that's one of those professions where, like, you really have to love it. And yeah. Have, like, this most pure heart ever. Yeah. Because you are not compensated for no. the work that you're doing. No. And and honestly, like, not even enough to really go to therapy yourself for all right. of the horrible yeah. things you're seeing. So um, if you are a social worker, God bless you. Yeah. And may you have the both sides of your pillow be cool for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> and a mint. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, everything. Um, but then it just kind of... And as an adult, the same thing. I'm that friend that if you need help, Mm -hmm. here I am. I don't have, I live paycheck to paycheck. But if Annie were to come to me right now and say, I don't have food for the kids, I'm dropping however much much money I need. Yeah, Yeah. you know. Um, And it's definitely come out in my relationships with significant others. Um, it's come out with my family. Like I don't say no to my family mm-hmm. and then I struggle when I do. Um, so yeah, it's just, and it's very hard to be okay with not people pleasing. It's, it's like a habit. It's really hard to break mm-hmm. and it almost becomes where you lose yourself. Like, um, I feel like a lot of people deal with over identifying with themselves and I have the opposite issue of like under identifying with myself. Like I don't 
I like it was always so hard for me to answer questions like what's your favorite movie oh god or like what's your favorite color like what's your favorite food I'd be like I don't know I like them all because I didn't have a personality not because I well just to be fair because I was (laughs) whoever's personality I was around I was like trying to be like them so they would like me Mm -hmm. and so when people would be like what's your favorite show or what's your favorite movie I'd be like um, you know, I just love all the movies because I watch so many. Like, what's yours? You know? And it, I, it's weird because you lose, you don't have things that you like and you kind of forget that you like things mm-hmm. um, because you're so willing to like everything else that everyone else likes or do what everyone else is doing that when you kind of first snap out of people pleasing and realizing like, no, I'm not living with like in alignment with myself mm-hmm. right now. And then you ask yourself like, what is that? It's like, I don't know. You know, I know who I am. I know who I am in the sense that, like, I am the breath in my lungs. And, like, yes, all of that type of, like, experience. Like, yes, I can be very present and be who I am. But who am I? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's dangerous, too, because you don't want to go the opposite direction and over-identify and be like, no, I am a so-and-so and I'm a nurse and that's who I am and that's my only, like, life attribute. Because when you stop working as a nurse, like I did then who are you, you know? So I don't think you should identify with yourself too strongly, but when you're coming from a place of like, I've never been allowed to, I've never allowed myself to have things I want to enjoy things that I enjoy only not because somebody else does, or I'm forced to do them or whatever. And you can sit back and take inventory and be like, Oh, I actually really hate spaghetti. (laughs) I don't want to eat it anymore. So I'm not going to. Like, that was just really strange to, like, first take those first baby steps. Is there anything like that that you can think of that you're, like, were um, participating in or enjoying or thought you really liked? And then one day you were like, I don't even like this. Like, what am I doing? For the record, I do enjoy spaghetti. It was just an example. Work. Work. (laughs) No, I wish I could say that. Um, No, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now that... um, I can say, like, I don't like doing this. I think there's been a lot of little things. Mm -hmm. Um, But kind of in what you were just talking about, it's really hard to stop people-pleasing when you correlate it with your own Mm -hmm. self-worth. And that's where I struggle with. Um, I will do, do, do for you because it, again, makes me feel good. Um, And I can't say no. But then when I do say no, I have so much guilt. And then I, instead of saying to myself, Jessica, it is okay to say no, I have a tendency to be, well, this is going to make them hate you. Or, you know, this is, they're not going to like you anymore. And I really, I mean, I still kind of struggle with it. There's been a couple of instances lately where I've noticed myself doing things for other people. And I've had to take a step back and be like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And there was an incident there, uh, like this weekend. Um, I told myself, you're not going to do this. This is a people-pleasing, self-worth, you're looking, you're not going to do this. And I tried so hard to not do it, but did I end up doing it? Sure did. Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, I just, I have to, like, you know, it just, this will make them happy. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And it was just something stupid as cleaning. So mm-hmm. we're not talking anything major. <laughs> Um, we didn't donate a kidney. No, right? no, no, not my kidneys. Um, <laughs> That's where I draw the line in my people pleasing. Yeah. Like, well, maybe not. It depends on who it is. But I'm not giving you an organ. Right. You can have everything else. 
but the mental part of it that is just so hard of when I have trained myself to think if I do this for you you will like me getting over that is it's very hard because Mm -hmm. especially when you have a terrible terrible inner child narrative Mm -hmm. it can't just be for me it's very hard to be like you know they'll move on it's okay they're Mm -hmm. not gonna hate you mine goes into you are worthless Mm -hmm. you are of no worth to them whatsoever yeah um so no to answer your question i can't really come up with like a certain thing i am very much working on saying no and also um, not feeling guilt for when I say no mm-hmm. um, and being okay with that. We, I've had a lot of conversations about, um, and I've said this a lot, but it's so hard for me to like um, actually put it into practice. But no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to justify your no, mm-hmm. which is something I'm very guilty of. Like when people will ask like, oh, um, can you, I don't even know a good example. Like, are you going to be able to come to this event that I've invited you to? And maybe I don't really want to go because either I'm stressed, I need to relax, whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. I just don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And it's not personal. It's not that I don't like them. You know, I'm happy to send a nice present and just be whatever. Um, but I found that when I'm declining for things like that or events or stuff that it's just not going to work out, I feel like I have to give this huge explanation that's good enough as to why I won't be there. And it's really not that the other people care why I'm not going to be there. I mean, sometimes they do. Um, but it's more for allowing myself to not feel as guilty about saying no, because I had a good reason. Right. Um, but it's interesting because I feel the same way. Like if I don't do something, I almost do it because it's less disturbing than it would be if I said no and then guilted myself over it, which is really a lot to unpack, you know? And Ultimately, it comes back to the fact that I don't have, you know, I was allowing this negative narrative to rule what my self-esteem and self-worth were. And now that I'm like, no, I'm worthy because I literally am alive. That's all you have to be to be worthy is to be alive. And the more I hold on to that and the more I say, like, am I at an emotional and physical place where I'm able to participate in this activity? If the answer is no, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter if I go or not. If I go and I'm unable to recuperate and recover and, you know, that sort of thing in my day-to-day life, I'm not going to be around to people, please. <laughs> so, like, I do need to, like, take the step back and focus on myself. But I talk a lot about how no is a complete sentence and you don't have to um, make it more than, hey, no, I can't be there. Thanks for thinking of me. I'm you know, so sorry. I can't. But not even I'm sorry. Oh, that, well, that's yeah. the thing. See, that's where it gets like really. I mean, yeah, you can be sorry, like the, whatever. But technically, you don't have to be sorry for not right. going to the bounce house birthday party of your one-year-old neighbor who you've talked to three times. Like, you don't have to be indebted to them with sorry. You know, it can just be, hey, I can't come. Because I've always respected people who were, like, upfront about, like, mm-hmm. I won't be there Saturday. Have a great time. Yeah. I've always respected people like that because it's not, like, a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm, like, I'm so sorry I'm not coming. Yeah. I've had 75 flat tires <laughs> yeah. and my, you know, left big toe is bleeding. You know, I've always had to, like, rationalize it. But I read a book. 
um, called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F-U-C-K. Mm-hmm. And in that book, they talk a lot about that. And that was one of the things that kind of opened my eyes to my people-pleasing tendencies and made me just more aware mm-hmm. of the pattern that I was undergoing. So I want to say kudos to you for recognizing and being aware of your pattern, even though you did it anyway. Mm-hmm. For one of the first times, you were in the moment saying, this is not a healthy behavior. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't even that you were like, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm such an idiot for doing it. It was just like, I'm going to go through with it. But I'm very aware that this probably isn't a healthy behavior. Mm-hmm. And the awareness part is where you find your power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I found an answer to your question. Okay, great. Um, it would be baby showers. I went to my last baby shower about a year and a half ago, and when I got in my car and I was driving away, I said to myself, that will be the last baby shower that you attend. I feel that way about being a bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm too old. To, I mean, I'm not too old. but And it's nothing against baby showers. It is nothing. But, um, yeah, just not my thing. Like, I'll mail you a gift, and I'm very happy for you, and I yeah. love it. But um, I don't want to sit there and watch you open up every I don't want to every little burping claw. Correct. And, ooh, and As ah. someone who's had two babies. Yeah, I so. agree. I also don't want to play the games. Yeah, the games are always... Yeah. Listen, I get it. If it if it's what makes you happy, congratulations. For me personally, absolutely not. I do not need melted chocolate diapers to like guess what kind of poop. Yeah. Poop chocolate is the poop chocolate in this diaper. Also, I say that to the younger people. I, I experienced 25 years of baby showers, so that's where that came in. Now, when I was younger and everyone was having babies, oh, I was throwing you the best baby showers, and we were, you know, love, 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 love. But after 25 years, you can only give so many diaper genies and yeah. enjoy little cups of I champagne love the baby. and stuff. Yeah, you know, I'll like, give you gifts for the baby. Yeah. I'd love to see your baby. I want to talk about your baby. Let's talk about how your birth was. Yeah. I'm here for all that. But I don't particularly yeah. want to have to wear a dress and eat small crackers. So let's talk about the word sorry. Okay, let's talk about apologizing. Yeah. I mean, I know it kind of a, a little people-pleasing. Um, that is such a vague, weird word to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because we say, for example, I'm so sorry I won't be able to come, come tonight. But are you really sorry? You're not. I mean, most people are not. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in reference to, like, death, people say, I am so sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, people are. But you know, what, what is it referencing? Like, it's just... Uh, it feels like it's overused. Yeah. Like, it just feels like, you know... And I use it a lot. I am an over-apologizer. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll apologize for something that doesn't affect you. Mm-hmm. Like, I will stub my own toe and be like, so sorry, oh, I just stubbed my toe. I'm I, the <laughs> person who, like, will move out of your way when you're not paying attention because you're on your phone and say, oh, sorry. Yeah. When in reality, it should be get off your phone and watch where you're going. Right. Mm-hmm. But not me. You could literally slam into the back of my car and I'm like, I'm so sorry <laughs> yeah. that you didn't stop. Right. <laughs> but not in, like, a way that's like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. But just, like, I'm actually really sorry that we're in yeah. your back. Yeah. Oh. Um, And I think it comes from, like, I think we 
overuse it. People like us, anyway, I feel like we overuse it because it's how we absolve ourselves of guilt. Mm-hmm. Is like, well, as long as they know that I'm sorry, then they'll still like me. Or as long as they can tell that this isn't my usual behavior or, you know, whatever it is, that I think that's where it comes in. It's just an easy thing to say, like, please don't hate me. Yeah. Because that's really what it's saying. Mm-hmm. It's not saying, like, oh, I'm so sorry I won't be at your baby shower. It's like, please don't hate me. I don't like baby showers. Yeah. You know, like, that's the message and so um, but I do think sometimes um, in people pleasing we use it as like a quick band-aid yeah yeah and I you know I and it's just it's one of those where like if I say to Annie I'm so sorry you're going through this difficult time I've I've said that to somebody and the response was why are you sorry they asked you that you're not going through it yeah wow and I was kind of left. I would never. <laughs> no, but I was kind of but, left speechless because yeah. there's not a valid answer. Right. It's because I care for you and I'm, you know, don't like seeing you like this. Right. But yeah, I mean, when I was asked that, I was like, I don't know. Good question. Yeah. And I, this sucks. Is that better? Okay. Yeah. It's one of those, It, you know, and this will be, I'm sure something we cover later on, but it's one of those statements that like you don't really know what the right thing to say is in some instances so I feel like people's default is like I'm so sorry for you Mm -hmm. like I you know showing empathy or compassion for someone and that's the words they choose to do it with but the receiving person like I remember people saying that to me when my mom died I was 29 Mm -hmm. and people would come up to me and say I am so sorry and I'm like yeah, me too. Right. I don't, what do you want me to say? Ditto. Yeah, you know, me Me too. Like, yeah. I am I am really sorry that I didn't, you know, tell her I loved her. Like, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. I mean, I did, but. Um, yeah, I just think it's, a, like you said, a very overused, people-pleasing sort of word to make mm-hmm. us feel better mm-hmm. to say. So, challenge you and me, future, I am... See, there we go. <laughs> I will not be able to make it tonight. Hope you have a good time. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm so sorry. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. Yeah. That's the, and I know that like for some people listening, they're probably like, well, duh. Like, <laughs> yeah. of course, I that's know. what you say. And then I'm like, but you don't understand like the mental gymnastics it's taken me to get to a point where I feel like, and I'm still not even practicing it well, where I can write someone back and be like, Hey girl, like even when we were going to record last week Mm -hmm. and just life kind of got away from both of us, you know, I had back issues and there was other things going on and you wrote me and we're like, I'm so sorry I Uh can't come. And I'm like, it's totally fine. Like, let's just take care of each other and we'll figure it out. But it's one of those things where it could have, you know, it could have just been like, Hey, this is happening. I won't be there today. Let's do next week. Or and just be true, authentic honesty. And I'm not saying this is what happened last week, but I just can't today. Yeah. We all have those moments. Yeah. I just can't t- today. Can't today. And even like today's not the day. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to even be like No. But anything. in your head you're like, I can't today because I gotta run and go go do mm-hmm. groceries and pick up the children and it's too overwhelming. There's yeah, too much you, going you on. You just feel like you have to validate your feelings when in all actuality it's just we all have those days. I just can't. Yeah. And your response, you know, okay, get it. You know, have a great day. Easy stuff. Yeah. But that's one thing I really want to work on moving forward is like just definitively being like, hey, no thanks. Mm-hmm. But I but I'm I hope you have a great time. Yeah. Or no thanks, but you know, mm-hmm. good for you. It's just going to be one of those challenges. So if you're also an over-apologizer, 
this is your sign to stop apologizing mm-hmm. and yeah. to really just, you know, hold your boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, I have have recently been told like that, you know, there's someone in my life that has brought it to my attention that they're like, you apologize for everything. Like if I'm in the way, I'll say, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, stop it. Just stop. Just move. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, right. Just, but it's just it comes out and I can't help it yeah it's just like bah. yeah so I, that's an interesting thing to to really sit with I wonder if I sat with that longer what other revelations I would have or what other awareness around it I would have I think also the awareness around it though is if it's you and I and you know if if I am in the way and or if you're in the way and you say oh I'm sorry my response is going to be, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. When in all actuality in my head, I'm like, will you effing move? You know, but it's okay. Yeah. I'll go this way. Yeah. Um, Again, with the people pleasing where I wish I could say, why are you sorry? We're both in the kitchen. It's a small kitchen. Right. Like we're going to be in each other. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's again, the people pleasing. It's okay. It's okay that you ran into my car. It's That's fine. so true. On the opposite side of that, yeah. like, yeah, I won't. I refuse to engage. So I'm going to diffuse yeah. because God forbid it be me being difficult yeah. because I was not Honest. allowed to be difficult. Yeah. You know, no. you're not allowed to be difficult. You yeah. have to be not seen, not heard, just very like not a problem. And so on the other side of that coin is when people apologize to me, even if it's not okay, mm-hmm. it's always okay. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good point too people pleasing is just really deep-seated and I think we don't really even realize like how much we're doing it and you know I touched on this a bit before you kind of lose your self-identity a bit because you don't know who you never really had the chance to form it because you're so busy trying to form other people's identities Mm -hmm. to fit in um but another part of that is like you don't have any boundaries Mm -hmm. like you have no boundaries because or you may have some but you don't have a lot of boundaries because you're just used to keeping the peace and that's your whole job is to keep the peace and diffuse where you can and that brings me to like the conversation around creating external peace at the cost of internal chaos which is a really I know it's a life-changing concept if you really think about it but the longer that you're managing external chaos and creating external peace if it's at the, if it is at, oh my gosh, I can't even talk. If you are managing external chaos to make it into external peace, most of the time it's at the expense of internal chaos. Mm-hmm. So you really have to be aware of what's going on inside because sometimes you're doing yourself more damage by mitigating the external because you're really messing up the internal and that's going to catch up to you Mm -hmm. faster than you realize. And that's one thing I didn't even realize I was doing. I was just like, if everyone else is chill, I'll deal with my own stuff on my own. You know, like I'm okay to be crazy as long as everybody else can be calm. We're good. So that's one of the, one of the big parts of people pleasing that um, I think people kind of don't realize they're just doing is they're creating like almost like a self-harm slash self-betrayal system where no I'm not going to stand up for myself no I'm not going to speak up for myself because if I do it's more difficult to have that experience than it would be if I internalized the pain and made it chaotic inside I agree with you on that and I also want to add to that because um 
when we do have those conversations, a lot of times we don't get the response that we have narrated in our head. Mm -hmm. And so that just makes it even harder. Mm -hmm. And then it immediately goes into, I should never have said anything, Mm -hmm. which then tells the brain, do not bring that up again. Don't bring anything up again. Right. You know, that didn't work out for you. That didn't work out. So we're just not going to talk about that part of it and then you internalize it mm-hmm. which then just domino effects into yeah. a podcast here we are <laughs> five and years later welcome to happily human <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah I mean that's the truth you don't even realize what you're doing and then you know you kind of wake up one day and you're like I can't even trust myself to speak up for myself mm-hmm. you know like how am I supposed to find a voice when I have spent 36 years extinguishing that voice and you know, it's it's a slow and uh, rigorous process, and you know, I certainly haven't got it down. And I think it's something where you have to just start speaking up and letting things happen around you. One of the things we recently talked about was, you know, once you start taking a stand and really holding firm in your boundaries, you're going to see a lot of pushback from the people who mm-hmm. are benefiting off of using you for your lack of boundaries. Mm-hmm that's going to be the first thing you see is suddenly when you're saying no to things, those people are going to start throwing fits and making big noise around you because they benefited off your lack of boundary. And sometimes it's not in a malicious way. You know, it just is what it is, but you have to understand you guys have been doing this dance together for a long time. Mm -hmm. And if you've been doing the tango for 10 years and suddenly you're doing the Macarena and they're doing the tango, it's getting wild on the dance floor. You know what I mean? So they're going to have to adapt to your moves as you learn to be more confident in your dance. And um, and that is so challenging because... Oh, yeah. I hate the Macarena. Well, <laughs> that's the only dance I know how to do. But um, it's challenging because, like Annie said, it's going to be the people that are closest to you, that are so used to you being people-pleasing Annie, that when you set a boundary, their response is always a negative derogatory sort of comment um for example i've had it said to me what's wrong with you Mm -hmm. i said no Mm -hmm. well what's wrong with you which then immediately flipped the switch in my head and it turned into i just don't feel good or Mm -hmm. making excuses um it just it's very hard to set those boundaries with people because that's what they have expected of you yeah you know um and so when you say no, they don't come at you and say, hey, I'm proud of you for saying no. Right. They're like, I'm They're sorry. Like, I'm sorry. What? You're what did supposed you to be doing say? this. Um, yeah. Oh, and so you said no. Now this doesn't benefit me. So I'm going to be mad at you. Right. But then as the people pleaser, you're like, I was just kidding. Yeah. I was just <laughs> like, oh, no. Of course. Um, and so it then turns into an, an inner log of. Did I do the right thing? Am I, you know, telling yourself to be proud of you for yeah. saying no? Yeah. Um, but, you know, people are mean. And when you say no, it can be your husband, your like wife, it. your best friend, no matter what. The first time you say no, there's not a lot of support. <laughs> Nobody's like, yeah. Yeah. And we'll so, support you, though. Yeah. We will 100% support you. I've had to call Annie numerous times and be, you know, just get validation and support from her when I've said no we literally had that conversation 20 minutes before we started this podcast about a situation um so you just have to be prepared for that 
Yeah, and you have to have you have to really like be in your own corner about mm-hmm. it and be like, it's okay. I don't need to give this more thought than it already is. Like, I'm not responsible for their negative reaction to my no. That's their reaction, and I'm responsible for me staying true to myself, being in my boundary, living authentically, being in alignment with who I am, and being at peace right now. I'm responsible for my own inner peace, and everything else is not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the exception of like if you're out stealing obviously you shouldn't be doing that but like you know if we're talking about just regular life things that you're saying no hey i can't go to the grocery store and pick up your hemorrhoid cream i don't know why that just came to my mind okay (laughs) you're like no i really can't be seen in the hemorrhoid aisle um it's not your fault if you can't go to walmart for somebody you know you just can't and if they want to be rude about it then that's their own journey and you have different work to do and they have their own work to do but um one of the ways that i have learned to do this and i'm still very much working on it was work related um again being a people pleaser in a career uh i know in any career a lot of us can relate to calling in sick to work And when you had to call in, I was the girl that, you know, just, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it in today. I have 103 temperature. I have a sore throat. I've had diarrhea. Like, I would just go through each body system of something that was wrong with me. And I just learned that I am an adult. And this is my job. Right. I don't have to give an excuse. You don't. If I don't want to go to work on a Monday... I don't have to go to work on Monday. Right. Now, if I continue to do it, then I expect a repercussion. Know, a repercussion from it. And so I remember about a year ago, I called in sick. Um, it was because I couldn't find my cat. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I just remember calling and saying, you know, hey, I won't be there tomorrow. And the person on the other line said, well, what's wrong? And I just immediately said, it's personal. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And I knew she wanted more. And I knew she did not like that answer. But I was like, I don't have to explain myself. Yeah, that's enough. You that's know? enough. No, is yeah. no. Well, that's good. Now we just got to yeah. do that in our real life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed talking about this topic. And I know we will probably have more to touch on this mm-hmm. at another time. Um, but I want to hear from you guys. Like, yeah. what are some things you struggle to say no to, and how are you planning to change that moving forward? Also, how did you? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, like, just what's the like, secret? Y'all tell what's us. What's the secret? Yeah, and then for you people that just write back and say no, I can't. Like, how do you do that? Do you have any guilt? Like, what is that, that like? Yeah. And also, no judgment. Like, no, I want to be 100%. like hundred percent. Yeah, I just don't know how to do it. Yeah. So, I hope you all enjoyed this. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. And before you go, make sure you rate us and leave us a comment. And we will talk to you later. Bye, Bye, y'all.